Well, again, it's, uh, it is good to be with all of you this morning and, you know, just to be together and to be celebrating uh, Father's Day. It's, um, it does come every year. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's always it was fun to kind of pause and to, to stop and to kind of reflect a little bit. Um, one of my sons asked me if I was going to share what kind of crazy story I was going to share and which kid I was going to share it about today. So um, there may be one coming. There may not. I don't know. I might be nice. But it is good. It is great to be, again, just gathered together and great, again, just to be celebrating uh, dads today. And just want to say, again, a happy Father's Day to everyone here, everyone watching online. And, you know, it's uh, really something to, to think about uh, for dads and for myself as well. Being a dad, just, you know, when I sit there and I look at my kids and kind of the many stages uh, of life they're in, you know, from teenage right now down to uh, a 10-month-old, and just how sobering it is, right? You have like these little lives that have been entrusted to you and to your care and to, to nurture them and to be there for them. And, you know, for many of us, if you're like me, and, you know, we don't always come from the, the best backgrounds, do we? Now, it was not a guarantee that we were, uh, you know, cared for well when we were kids. Um, some of us came from homes where our father wasn't present. Uh, some of us came from homes where our father was there and maybe we wished he wasn't. Um, and so, you know, it, we just don't know the stories. And I think that so many of us set out to try to rewrite that story in, in so many times. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really something uh, to, to raise children and to see them uh, grow into young adults and eventually being on their own. And, you know, today I wanted to spend a, a few moments just to, to share um, a little bit from a very familiar um, parable that many of you are, I'm sure, are, are, have heard before, but um, it's going to be, you know, the, the parable from the prodigal son, and, you know, I think there's a lot of really powerful uh, uh, images and, and things that we can learn from the father represented. Again, that it's a parable, so it's a story that Jesus is sharing. This is how he taught. This is how he uh, helped people to understand very complex ideas and thoughts when he would teach, um, and, you know, it's really, and I was thinking about this today, and you think about our lives here on earth, right? And you think about everything that we do, everything that we see around us, everything that we experience really is like a living parable, isn't it? I mean, you know, I think about how, you know, the church, for example, is called the family of God, right? And, you know, we yet here, we're set in families, all of us. And so, you know, when God says he's God the Father, there's this image or this picture in our mind that comes to mind of, of a father, a godly father, you know, that would be there and that would love his children and how to interact. You know, all of you, I would say, you know, if you're a believer and, and part of this church, or not even if you're part of this church, if you're a believer, you're brothers and sisters in Christ, right? And that kind of goes back to the family model and things like that. You know, and oftentimes Jesus would use, and again, it's, we're a little further removed from the whole shepherding scene, but, you know, with sheep and with shepherds and the interactions there. And so as, it's just everything in life is, is, is a moment or, or a, a, a model, if you will, to help us to understand, again, those complex things that, that God, how he functions or how he works and how he moves. And again, you're not going to just snapshot and box it up all nice and neat because he's the God of this universe. And so there is some complexity to it. 
but he does uh, he is patient with us and he gives us these ways to connect and to kind of get an understanding and so you know again the fact that he is referred to as God the Father is is no coincidence because again the design or the ideal uh, design is for us to have this picture of how our earthly father is and how we can approach our heavenly father. Um, I want to share a story with you as we start out, not one of my family this time, uh, at least not yet, but um, there's a Spanish story of a father and son who had become estranged. The son ran away and the father set off to find him. He searched for months to no avail. Finally, in a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, Meet me in front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you. Your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Now, again, it's, you know, I don't know that this is a true story or not, but it, just, it does show something, doesn't it? One, that there's a lot of Pacos in Spain, <laughs> right? But it also shows, I think, in, you know, for us especially, and we've kind of touched on it a little bit already, but just the fact that there are so many um, sons and daughters out there with these uh, strained relationships with their fathers. And, you know, so many times it really comes down to the father taking the lead and taking the initiative and how to engage that situation, that relationship, how to extend love and mercy and kindness. And so today, really, the account of the, the parable that we're going to look at that Jesus was sharing is, is the same thing as is, is with the prodigal son, as we've, we've heard it mentioned before. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Luke chapter 15. As you do so, and I'll give you just a couple minutes, I just want to remind you that uh, we have our, our concert tickets are available for September uh, for Cochrane and Company, and I, I do hope you guys are getting on those and, and getting those uh, purchased. Uh, think about some of you might want to invite uh, because, it's again, it's going to be uh, a really, really wonderful time. Um, so uh, if you're there in Luke chapter 15, and it should be in your bulletins as well, um, beginning in verse 11, I'll be reading from the ESV. Again, we're, we're coming in on the, this, this parable of the prodigal son. It says this. It says, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. Again, this is Jesus speaking. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country. And he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And again, this would be very, very bad uh, for a Jewish person. Um, but he was desperate. And verse 16, And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So again, we have a picture here of something very down in a very bad place, a place they probably never pictured themselves in. And uh, so we need to kind of really grasp that and understand that. In verse 17, but when he came to himself, again, when he came to the right mind, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion 
and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. <clears throat> and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Notice his reaction. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and, and entreated him, and he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his, this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for this opportunity. God, just to, to gather together and to celebrate, Lord, uh, the fathers here, um, but also, Lord, just to remember how amazing and awesome, Lord, uh, you are as our Heavenly Father and how loving you are and caring you are. And God, we thank you that, that no matter what may happen on this earth with our earthly fathers, or maybe even what we might do as a father, God, that there is always someone in, in you, uh, Lord, that, that is there, that is always uh, perfect in every way, and that loves us perfectly, that cares us for us perfectly. And so, God, we are grateful, Lord, that we are not left alone, but that, God, you are with us. God, I pray for this time. Pray that you would open our hearts to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you guys got a cookie when you came in, but this one's sitting here looking at me, and it's pretty, uh, pretty tempting to just pause and eat it. So I'm going to set it back here. Um, you know, I, I came across this quote from uh, Mark Twain, and he said this. He said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Now, <clears throat> I'm not going to tip my hand at what happens or occurs in our house, but, you know, there is this thing, isn't there, when your, your kids, as they're growing up and they kind of have this image maybe at some point, but then as they get a little older and they begin to understand, or maybe they eventually have kids of their own, and it becomes a little clearer, doesn't it, as, as to, to how challenging it is. How many would agree that, that being a dad is not easy, right? We're not saying it's as hard as being a mom, okay, all the ladies. We're not saying that, but it is. It is challenging, you know, and, and you know, we want the best for our family. We want, we want to provide. We want to be there. Um, but again, you know, our kids to understand that and for us to, to, to be present and to be there and to nurture and to care for them, um, we are not perfect people, you know, and as your kids get older, they begin to see kind of the, the superhero image kind of gets some cracks in it, doesn't it? <laughs> they begin to realize like, oh, wait a second, you're a human being, you know, you make mistakes or you're not right all the time, you know. And so it's, it becomes more and more challenging. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, in this story or in this parable, as we've read, 
you know, as the, the boy, even as he was an adult, young adult, and went out on his own, at some point he came kind of to his senses, if you will. He started to think and to realize the love that his father had for him, has for him and that he could go home and to be received. <clears throat> you know, this is called, this passage oftentimes, and probably in most of your Bibles at the top of it, it talks, it says it's the story of the prodigal son. And, you know, there's actually a list of three stories in here where, where something goes missing. Um, and Jesus is using these to, to give an illustration for where he's trying to go and as he's speaking to these religious leaders. Um, and each story, uh, again, it begins with a sheep. And that's where, you know, you leave the 99 to go after the one, right? There's something missing. This sheep goes missing. You would go after it to look for it. And then it moves to the story of a woman in a home and a coin that goes missing. And, um, you know, that, that, that parable... Uh, if you read about it and, and you, you understand it, a lot of times, not a lot of times, in that culture, uh, as part of the wedding day, there was uh, 10 coins that were given in, in like this piece of jewelry to the bride. And this, this woman here that loses that, she lost one of those coins. That would, it would be kind of the same as losing a re wedding ring, okay, if you lost your wedding ring. Patrick, give you a shout out there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he was out here messing around and playing with the, the teenagers, playing the uh, Gaga ball, and yeah, his ring went flying. We have yet to find it, but, but we've, we've searched, haven't we? Is that a fair? I didn't mean to use you as an illustration today, Patrick. Sorry, but you're on the... But, um, but yeah, I mean, we looked. We had tons of people look. He brought out the metal detector, and we never found it, right? So it's like, but you saw the value. You know, you saw how, how long and how much effort because it was special. It was very important. And so, you know, that's what's also being conveyed in this story where the woman goes and looks for this coin. It'll be the same kind of thing. And lastly, you come down to two brothers, right? Two sons. And of course, you know, the idea here is why, why is there no one going to look for this son that is lost? And the point that Jesus was making in the parable, um, briefly, you know, I can just share that. The point that he was making is to the older son, why weren't you going after your brother? And that, you know, he was making the point to the religious leaders because they would sit there and they would condemn and they would judge and they were not going after those that were lost. And that's what Jesus had come for, is to save the lost. And so, you know, again, it's called the story of the prodigal son, but there's, you know, these two brothers and it's not just the one that left, right? We always focus on this younger son that physically drifted away, but the elder brother, if, as you can see, when the younger son comes back, his heart had drifted away a long time ago, hadn't he? He had been obedient in action, but in his heart, he was far from the father. Why? Because when his brother came home, he did not want to celebrate. In fact, he was angry at what the, the way the father was treating him. And it showed that his heart was not like the father's. And so he had drifted far away. But the star of this parable, and unfortunately with that, that title, the prodigal son, it sometimes is missed. The star of the parable, however, is not either of the sons, but instead the real star of this parable is the father. Right? And the father's love that is put on display. And so today I want to share with us today and to us dads, you know, I want to challenge us. Uh, as we look at the heart of this father here that has these two sons and is in this situation, in this position. And, you know, as we do so, of course, you know, if you're here and you're not a dad or for any of the ladies, these all can apply to you as well, because we're supposed to all have the heart of the father, aren't we? We're supposed to all becoming more like Jesus, more like Christ and showing the love of Christ to the people around us. 
And so again, we can all, I think, glean from this. And so I just want to hit just some, a few, I think, character, characteristics, if you will, of this father that we can look at in this parable that Jesus is sharing. Uh, the first one in verse 12, it says that he divided his property between them. Okay. Again, the younger son to come to his father in that culture was the same as saying, you know, if he comes to him and saying, I want my inheritance now, it was just like saying, I, I, I wish you were dead because I want what you have more than I want you as a person. I want my take, you know, my money, if you will, and I want to go and I want to do my thing. And so he comes to him. So in that culture, it would have been very disrespectful. And it would have been the equivalent, again, of saying that his father was dead. An heir could claim his share of an estate during his father's lifetime if he wished to do so, but it was absolutely unheard of. And the eldest son that was entitled, he, he was actually entitled to receive double, which again shows you just another glimpse of his heart. This man was, this guy was, he was set to inherit twice as much as the younger son. But yet he was still angry and upset, wasn't he? When he saw that the fattened calf had been, had been brought and slain and a big feast was being put on when his brother had come home. So he wasn't oblivious to what was going to happen. But again, oh, I'm sorry, I got lost there. But the eldest son, again, he was entitled to receive double. But the father's living or, or livelihood was in his, what he owned, his possessions, in his things. That's what, you know, gave him uh, his income. That's what gave him his status. And so again, his, his life, you know, was really tied up in all of that since his property was the source of, of everything that he was. And so in essence, the father was giving his life for the son, so to speak. He was giving a portion. And so he was generous, and that was, that's plain to see. And for us today, you know, we need to make sure, and I'm not just talking about monetary things, but are we being generous? What's the most precious thing that we have? Time. You can't get that back. You can't get that back. And, you know, I think that's one thing for all of us as parents. And when we look at our children, you know, I think of my children. And, you know, again, some of you are much further down the road and you've, your children are adults now. Maybe you have grandchildren. But how quick that goes, right? And I think most of us here would think back and say, man, I wish I would cherish those moments better. You know, even if we did a great job, we wish we would have had just more opportunity, right? More time and, and, and slow down just a little bit to appreciate the time that we were given. And so, again, we need to be generous, and we need to think about that in, in, every, in every, every way, not just with our children, but with everyone around us, you know, and think about our time and where we're investing it and who we're investing it in. Second characteristic I see in this, this father in this parable is that he was wise. In verse 12, we see that same thing. And he, you know, he gives his inheritance to his son. Listen, the father could have said, no, you're crazy. <laughs> you know, I think if, if it was me, I would have probably said, okay, you want to learn a lesson? <laughs> have fun. You know, I'll be here if you need anything, if you want to come back, but you're not, you're not getting this because that's huge disrespect. You may want me dead, but I'm not. <laughs> so, you know, I think some of us, maybe if you're like me, would have reacted similarly to that. But instead, you know, we don't see that. We see him, you know, he, he extends this. He goes and does this. And this would have been a huge disrespect to himself, too, to do this in that culture, to, to offer this to his son. He didn't have to, but he does, and he's using wisdom. You know, he knew the condition of his son's heart and that he could not make him stay if, if he was bent on rebelling. You know, we do our best. We invest in our children. But, you know, we allow them that space. We allow them to do some things, and it's not because we're oblivious, and neither was he. You know, he wasn't oblivious to what was going to happen, but he saw perhaps that opportunity of restoration on the other side of, of what was going to happen. 
and he always kind of looked to the other side. And so he, he knew what he needed to do, and he did it. And, you know, again, there wasn't a guarantee of that son returning, but again, it wasn't because he was a fool, but he exercised wisdom. And in that situation, he's like, okay, let me do this. Let me give this to you. And what it, ultimately what happened? Did the, did the son lose everything? In one sense, yes, is the answer. But all that he had came from who? The father. And so the father really laid down all these things, gave them to him, knowing the son was going to go and squander them. And so the father really ultimately is the one that took the hit, both in his reputation and in his livelihood. And so, again, we see this generosity. We see this wisdom also happening. We also see this characteristic, and again, I love this one. And if, you're not, if you don't pause or you're not careful with the story as you read through it, you miss this. But again, I like this, and maybe this isn't a characteristic. I don't know. But it, I said it, he's watchful. He's watchful. In verse uh, 20, I love this. It says, while he was still a long way off, the son, when he was coming back. You know, many of us know the parable. I'm not going to deep dive on everything. But we know the parable, and the son went out and squandered everything, didn't he? And here he comes, right, from a distance. And I love the fact that, again, that while he was still far off, his father saw him. How? How? And I, you know, as I sit there and I, I pause and I ponder this for a while, I think it's because he was looking. The heart of the father was so towards his son, so hopeful that one day he would see his son return. I believe every day, you know, he's, he's out, you know, he's hammering a nail, right? Just kind of keep looking up on the horizon, you know, any, any day, any moment. He's out doing something else. He's eating dinner or something, or he's outside going for a walk and he kind of pauses and he looks to the horizon. Maybe today's the day that he comes home. And so the, the father in that, that parable, again, he was watchful. They were, he was looking. He was anticipating that return of the son that had gone wayward. And for us today, you know, for whether you're a father or a mother, you know, and you have a wayward child, you know, don't stop looking to the horizon. Don't stop being aware of, of the possibility that maybe today is the day when things change. Because you don't know. Okay, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna go somewhere here today with you. I, this is not in my notes, so it's dangerous. But I'm gonna go there. Listen, I'm gonna say this in love as your pastor. But some of us here today, and, and I'm gonna myself included, if we're not careful, we can keep our kids from when they're adults from experiencing discomfort. You see, in this parable and in this story that Jesus is sharing, it was only when that, that prodigal son got to the very bottom, right? Could the dad have slid some more money? Could, could the father have shown up and just, you know, pulled him right out of it? He could have, right? But sometimes it's, it's, it comes through that difficult season, through that place of, dare I say, suffering, which totally goes against our culture, and I'm not saying, you know, you're, you stand there and like point at your kid, you know, because our, our heart is to help, right? We'll sacrifice anything. But sometimes, you know, we go against, I believe, we go against what God is trying to accomplish. I've seen people with the hardest hearts, and it's only when they hit those difficult moments, right, in life, when they come to their end, is the only time when they can truly experience the strength of God, the love of God, and God's presence show up in their lives. Amen? Amen? And it's not a popular message. I know that. And again, I, I understand too that, when, well, he loves his child. He's got his heart, you know, for his child. Okay. But sometimes love is stepping back, right? 
It's like, I'm still here. Anybody ever taught their kids how to ride a bike? <laughs> and now, again, I was never a training wheel person. I'm like, I do not believe in training wheels. I think that is a crutch, and it's just wrong, okay? Hopefully nobody leaves the church over this, but that's my take. It's not in the Bible, because I feel like it's just, you know, I watch, I watch some kids, you know, they're just like, leaning on that training wheel. I'm like, how are you ever going to not do that. I always taught my kids, I, I, would, I would put them on one of those little two-wheel scooters, and once I saw them kind of going for a little bit on that, I'm like, okay, they can balance, they're ready. Put them on a bike, give me like two hours, and they're off. But at some point, we have to let go of that seat, don't we? <laughs> I was exhausted that day, by the way. We were in Kuwait. It was hot. Uh, and so I'm kind of running with them, you know, on the side, and I let go, but I'm still close, right? They don't feel me there, but I'm just right behind them, ready to reach out. But then they would get better, and they would kind of get going quicker, and I couldn't, just couldn't keep up. And so they're on their own, and guess what? They fell. They fell. But I'm pleased to say my kids can all ride bikes today. <laughs> they had to learn, right? So, you know, I think here, again, it's, it's, you know, letting our kids, and especially when they become adults and things, you know, giving them that space, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to go out, they're going to try things, and they may fail. But again, let's keep our eye on the horizon and be watchful, as we saw this father doing. Another characteristic is, again, we see that this father was believing. Uh, in verse 20 as well, his act of watching showed that he believed in his son. His act of keeping his eye on the horizon was, it showed that he was believing that at some point his son would have come to that place and recognize, I need to come home. I need to come home. It's, it's, it's there. It's, it's waiting for me. Why would I stay where I'm at? I need to come home. He believed in his son. He had faith. And even though it looked impossible to him, he never gave up on his son. Another characteristic I think we see as well is, is compassion. He was compassionate. It says he felt compassion for his son. You see, love left the door open to his son. It caused him to move toward his son, right? When his son showed up on the horizon, when he was there, you know, that relationship had been strained. He wasn't sure, you know, in that moment, the father wasn't sure where the relationship was. But what did he do? Do you remember what he did? Did he stand there and wait for his son to come to him and bow down or grovel? What did the father do? He ran. Do you know how, again, another little point, do you know how you would never see that in that culture, that it never would happen for a, a, a man to run? In the Middle East, when I was there, you never saw men, men run. It's, 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 a, it's, it's a dignity thing, right? They walk. They kind of, almost like they float, like it's just, they don't run. You don't see it unless they're playing a sport or something. To, to do this, again, it shows, and I, I, you can't put it into words, but the amount of love that this father had for him to run and meet his son, again, it shows that he did not care what people thought of him. All he cared about was his, that his son was coming home, and he wanted to meet him. And he didn't stop, he didn't begin and open with, I told you this would happen, you should have done better, why did you go, where's my money, I want it back with interest. He didn't lead with any of those things, did he? It says he, he hugged him, right, and gave him a kiss. He accepted him, he brought him back, and it was, it was, there was no strings attached. Again, it just, it's such a great picture, and if we're, if we're not careful, we can just skip right over it and miss it. He loved his son. He loved his oldest son, too. He loved both of them. 
with complete disregard to himself or his reputation. Again, here with the younger son, we saw him run and to meet him. But we also see something else with the oldest son. Whenever you're hosting a banquet, when you're hosting something like that, the host is supposed to be present, right? And so when the oldest son throws his fit and the, the, the father comes out to speak to him outside, that was another disrespect the father was giving to himself by leaving his banquet that he was the host of and leaving his guests. Again, in that culture, you would not have done that. But because of the love even for the eldest son, he still demonstrated that and he walks out and he meets with the oldest son. And so we see, again, the compassion that this father has. And I think too, you know, for us, as, especially as men here today, you know, this, it's okay to be compassionate. It's okay. And it doesn't mean that you're weak. It doesn't mean that you're soft. It just, it means that you have compassion, especially for your kids and for things and for people that, that need it. This world will make you hard and salty very quickly, won't it? If we let it. You know, we, um, we were at the baseball game and uh, Isaac's baseball game. And at the field, there were two uh, little, I probably shouldn't tell you this story, but there were two little birds, like babies that had fallen out on the ground. And, you know, what do you, what do, you do? You know, they couldn't get back in the nest, but they didn't know where the nest was. And, you know, I have to say, Isaac, I'm not embarrass you. I'm sorry, but I love you. But his, like you saw, I mean, he, his team lost that day, but he was more concerned about those two little birds. And again, you know, it's like, but what do we, what do, we do? I don't, I don't know. I don't have, I'm not going to bring two little birds. I just don't know what to do with that. But, you know, just to see again his heart that was compassionate for those, these little creatures that God had made. You know, it was encouraging to me to see that. And we need to never lose that in our hearts either. We need to have compassion for people and, and compassion, you know, just on, on different situations. It's okay. This father that we see here in this parable also, and probably one of the greatest things that we see here is that the father was forgiving. That the father was forgiving. We see this in verses 22 through 24 because he did not make uh, this son a servant or slave. The son was fine with that when he came home. He's like, well, at least I get fed, have a place to sleep in my father's house. <clears throat> but the father was like, no. And he restored him all the way back to being a son once again. And so he, again, he forgave him. And he, he threw his arms around him. He kissed him. And he, again, he was waiting and ready to forgive, to extend this forgiveness. And with that forgiveness right there with it, I kind of alluded to it already, but he was also, he restored the son. He restored him. And before the son could even, he had practiced his speech, right? Or, you know, he shared the speech and then you read through and he says it verbatim to the father. Before he could even get that out, the father had welcomed him with a kiss. And pretty soon a robe and a ring followed. And so he was restored fully. And lastly, the characteristic I, I see here of this father as a bestower of blessing. The restoration meeting was not a quiet meeting between the father and the son. <laughs> Instead, the father threw one of the, the biggest celebrations ever. And that's, that is what we see with this bestower of blessing. He's, he's blessing his son. He's putting his hand upon his son again and saying, you know, you have been restored and I bless you as my son. And he honored the son and blessed him for his act of obedience and repentance. And church, if you get nothing else from today, today get that. It's, it comes down to obedience and repentance, doesn't it? For all of us, we fail. <laughs> for some of us more than others, you know, uh, I fail on, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, it seems like sometimes. 
But God has called us to, simple, to repent, to acknowledge that, you know what, I'm a sinner, and I need to, to, to repent of that. And then there is, there is a, a, an obedience that should follow. And that's the difference. You know, I see <coughs> some people say they repent. Then they go on and they just do the same thing over and over and over and over again, right? Where, you know, God has called us, we repent, but that the idea of that, of repenting, is to turn away and go the opposite direction. And so if you're, whatever you're struggling with today, God is calling us to obedience and he's calling us to, again, to repent of those things, yes, and maybe we will make a mistake again in that area, but we always need to be moving in the opposite direction and trusting God as we walk out our, our lives in obedience that he will bless it. So the truth that we see in this parable, again, the, even the word prodigal there, the prodigal means extravagantly generous and lavishly wasteful. And this is why we can say, uh, we can, that term probably better applies to the father in this story, right? Because he lavished his love. He lavished his love on his son when he returned. He lavished his son, even to the point of being wasteful, as he had this huge celebration. And that's, that's a, a picture of the way that God loves us. He loves us beyond what we could ever, ever imagine. If we think of it as the parable of the loving father, we see then the, 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 from the perspective of the father, and we see the father's love more than the son's sin, don't we? In 1 John 3, verse 1, it says, How great is the love of the Father that has been lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. If you've, again, accepted Christ as Lord and Savior of your life today, you are a child of God. And once again, we come back to this picture of as we celebrate Father's Day today and we see this picture of a child and we are being called part of his family, God's family. We are a child of God. And so that's amazing. And, and that's, again, why do we have kind of the family structure? Why should we be uh, kind of, a, well, not kind of, we should be uh, on guard when that family structure begins to get shaken or we start to see some alternative forms of it? It's because everything is built off of what the scripture says and God has designed things a certain way. Why? So that we learn, we can understand. But he loves us and he's lavished his love on us. And again, there's no greater picture than we can possibly think of than what Jesus did on the cross for your sin and for mine. That's the picture of lavish love, isn't it? That Jesus would come to earth as a man, walk this earth and die a, a sinner's death on a cross so that you and I can be saved. As we prepare to close here this morning and wrap up, for all the dads here today, we can learn a lot from, from looking at this parable. I think there's twofold. That one, it teaches us how to love our children well, right? How we should love our children. And again, you may not come from that background. It may not have been demonstrated to you. And I, I want to just, I, I reiterate that because, you know, I, I had a, a father, but, it, you know, it wasn't perfect by any means. And I say this, you know, I, I love my father. But now as, as I'm a dad, you know, and, and Sometimes I, I joke, you know, like I just do the opposite of what I saw growing up and I should be in the ballpark. You know, that's kind of how challenging things were in my home. 
But, but God has called us to, to much more than that. You know, we can't do it on our own. And, you know, maybe you were blessed with a, a godly father that, that modeled, you know, a, a great life for you. And you can, you can em, you know, emulate that. And that's how it should be. We should be able to do that. But for us dads, you know, again, we, we are learning here about, from this that we, we need to love our children well and to, to, to show them how we should live. But also this, this story or this parable teaches us how we are loved well by God. We're loved very well by God. God sees you today and God loves you more than you'll ever know. You think about how much you love your children and God loves them even more than what we could ever imagine. And the same is for ourselves. God loves us beyond what we could ever know. And it begins today by realizing that this is the love that our Heavenly Father has for us. We cannot give what we have not first received, right? If you struggle with loving people and loving others, then you may need to pause and understand just how much you're loved by God today. Because it's from that place of knowing that you're loved and that you're cared for and that you're seen that you're able to love others beyond what you, you can do in your physical capacity. Only with God's help can we love others well. As I said earlier, you know, kids are supposed to be able to model what they've seen their father doing. I came across this article, and I want to share it with you today. It says, one of the best pictures I've ever seen on the current confusion on the placement of fathers comes from Irma Bombeck. And she paints a portrait of a little girl who loved her dad, but wasn't sure what dads do. And this is what she said. She said, one morning my father didn't get up and go to work. He went to the hospital and died the next day. I hadn't thought that much about him before. He was just someone who left and came home and seemed glad to see everyone at night. He opened the jar of pickles when no one else could. He was the only one in the house who wasn't afraid to go into the basement by himself. He cut himself shaving, but no one kissed it or got excited about it. It was understood when it rained, he got the car and brought it around to the door. When anyone was sick, he went out to get the prescription filled. He took lots of pictures, but was never in any of them. Whenever I played house, the mother doll had a lot to do. I never knew what to do with the daddy doll, so I had him say, I'm going off to work now, and threw him under the bed. The funeral was in our living room, and a lot of people came and brought all kinds of good food and cakes. We had never had so much company before. I went to my room and felt under my bed for the daddy doll. When I found him, I dusted him off and put him on my bed. He never did anything. I didn't know his leaving would hurt so much. You know, you can't, you can't put a price tag on presents, can you? And I want to remind all of us here, all of us fathers here today, whatever stage of life you're in or your kids are in, that just being present is, is one of the greatest victories you can have to be present for your children, to be present in the moment. You know, I, it just kills me when I go out to eat at a restaurant or something and I look around and I see these families and they're just this. Every kid, every, the, the mom and dad, everybody's got their face glued to their phone and they're missing the precious moments that they've been given in that, in that time. And so I wanna encourage all of you today, all of us today, to stop and to, and to take moments just to be present now, here and now. Again, technology is, it can be a huge blessing, but also if we're not careful, it can just draw us and, and just zap all of that, that being present in that moment right out of us. And our kids see it. 
Our kids see it. Some closing observations. I believe that some of us fathers stay busy today because we don't have a clue what we are doing in regards to raising our children. I think some of us like, I, I mean, it's hard. It's hard raising kids today. I'm not going to lie. You know, there's books and everything else, and I've read most of them, but it's hard. And some of us are trying to figure it out. And when we can't figure it out, we sometimes can just press in and, and kind of lean into work and to lean into the busyness so that we don't have to engage the difficulties or the challenges. I also believe that we've brought into the, we bought into the lie that providing our kids with stuff is an acceptable substitute for our time and attention. Let me be honest with you, that's the easy, the easy thing to do, isn't it? Let me go buy you something. Let me, let me give you this. Or go, why don't you go you know, play on your iPad or something like that that I bought you. Our time and our attention, being interested in what they're interested in and making space for that is critical. I believe for many of us dads today that if we poured a fraction of the effort into raising our kids as we do into our jobs, we would see a huge change. Y'all quiet on me now. It's okay. I'm speaking to myself too. You think about it, you know I mean? I think about the amount of time that I pour into my job, so to speak, my, my, the ministry here. And a lot of people would say that's a great thing, right? I mean, I'm a pastor. What, <laughs> what better place to pour into, you know, into people's lives? And it's great. But if I'm not doing it at home and my own children, what good is it at the end of the day, right? And that goes for anybody in whatever occupation you find yourself. But let's, let's begin to work at being great dads and raising our kids well. And lastly, I believe that if we as fathers took the time to know God's love for us, we would in turn be able to better love the children we've been entrusted with. Stop for a moment, guys. Open the Bible, read the scripture, understand the picture of God's love that's in there to you and to me that we would be built up and that we would know that we are loved and then they're from that place. You know, if the bucket's dry, it's really hard to get a drink of water, isn't it? <laughs> to pour a glass of water. But if it's full to the point where it's overflowing, things can change. Proverbs 14, 26, 26, In the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence and his children will have a refuge. So as we know God, again, we have this confidence and that we can do it. No matter what the situation brings, no matter what happens with culture, we can definitely impact our kids and raise them well. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning. God, I thank you for each person that's here. I thank you for the dads that are here. And God, I pray, Lord, just that as we've looked at this picture today of, of this parable of, of again, uh, the prodigal father, really, and as he loved his sons so well, as he lavished his love on them in such a way that it's, it's just so evident, Lord, that this picture was a picture of, of you and your love for us. God, let us pause and, and with soberness realize, Lord, what you've called us to as fathers, to, to be engaged and to be part of our homes and, and part of our families, to love our wives well and to, to lead and love our children well, Lord God, to invest in them and, and, and put a portion of ourselves into their lives. God, let us begin with that place, that place of knowing, Lord God, that, that we, um, again, have done all that we could do as we lay our, our head to rest on our pillow in the evening. God, that we've invested and we've, we've done something, Lord, that's impacted the lives of our kids. 
God, I pray that we become so good at that that we actually are looking even for children that don't have fathers. God, we talk about pandemics, but one of the greatest pandemics that goes without being talked about, Lord, God, is the absence of fathers in the homes. God, fathers, again, that, that have walked out on their children and on their responsibilities. And God, we aren't just talking financially, Lord God, but, but the investment that, that of giving their lives and, and, and imparting their lives into children. God, we know that, that you have designed the family, Lord, in a way that, that again, the father is, is there for a reason that, that has such an important part. And we're seeing the effects, Lord God, as, as children more and more grow up without fathers being present. So God, we pray that, that we would step up that we would answer the call, Lord God, and, and to, again, though it may be hard, God, that we would step up to it uh, with boldness and, and looking to you, Lord, to give us the strength. So, God, we thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to honor and, and, and just celebrate dads today. And, God, I thank you for each person, each dad that's here with us, uh, present here, each of those watching online, Lord God, that you would just, uh, again, just bless them, Lord, in such a great and real powerful way. God, I pray, Lord, that they would just know that first and foremost that they are loved by you, but also by, by their families. And God, we, we know that every situation is different and there may be situations where it's difficult, but God, I pray that you would just, again, burst onto the scene, much like we saw that father running to meet the son. God, I thank you that you would meet uh, the fathers here, Lord, today. And God, if, if a father is here today and they find themselves far from you, God, I pray that that picture, that image of your love, Lord God, would just move them to a place, Lord, of, of repentance and, God, to turning to you. So, God, we thank you for this day, this beautiful day, Lord, that you've given to us, and we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.